Los Angeles-based Lydia Emily was a busy and highly respected political street artist when she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, MS. Obviously, the debilitating disease threatens her livelihood. At times, she has to tie paintbrushes to her hands. But the American healthcare system has been more of a hindrance than a help to the mother of two. Her battles on many fronts are described in a new documentary, The Art of Rebellion, that's about to be shown here at the Dock Edge Film Festival. You should live like you're on the front page of the New York Times. Everything you do can be seen and affect everyone. My name is Lydia Emily. I'm a muralist. I do street art. I started with graffiti. She always painting from the time she was little. She took up this persona, tough and way too outspoken. If nobody paints like a dick, we should have exactly the right amount. It's your moment to say one sentence. What's important to you? What are you going to say? My mother was a civil rights activist. We're a whole bloodline of loudmouths. Or the director is Libby Spears, whose previous film Playground revealed the horrific child sex trade in the US. She's also on Newsweek's list of 150 women who shake the world. I asked Libby about Lydia's openness to allowing cameras into her home during what proved to be physically and emotionally difficult years for the artist. First of all, how did, okay. you, how, how did you come across Lydia and her story? Uh, my prior documentary that came out in 2010 was called Playground. It was about child sex trafficking in America. And a few years after that documentary was released, I got a phone call from somebody from Gucci because Gucci, the brand, had given some funds to support our first documentary. And they said, hey, we're looking, we're doing this campaign called Chime for Change. It was a global campaign about um, social justice for women and girls. And they were like, we really want you to do a, a short documentary on something on trafficking again. And so and they wanted another domestic story. And I knew of a survivor in Los Angeles where I live. And because they only wanted eight minutes, I find short films to be incredibly difficult um, to tell a compelling story in that short amount of time. And so I thought, well, we could do this if I can find this woman was trafficked down in Skid Row, downtown Los Angeles. And so I thought it would be amazing because there's so much incredible street art downtown if we could find a muralist to paint a mural of her. And that would sort of act as this, we could tell the story through the making of the mural and that could kind of stay there as this emblem of hope for other women and girls. And that's how I found Lydia. I started looking for women street artists that had artwork downtown and I loved her work. And then we had probably the first time we talked, I think we spoke for three hours and just really connected. Um, and so it took her about a week to paint that mural for that short film for Gucci. And in that process, I approached her after like, you know, day two. And I was like, hey, has anybody ever done a documentary on you? Because she was just so interesting and her work was so incredible. And this had nothing to do with MS, by the way. We didn't, at that point, we didn't know she had MS. Um, and she said, you know, the people that did the Banksy documentary asked me a few years ago. And I said, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, what about, would you say yes to me? And she goes, let me think about it. And so... On the last day of the mural, she said, yeah, I'd love to do it with you. So that's kind of where we started. She is remarkable. As I say, you were drawn first to her work and then to her story. I mean, she's not, she's not the kind of person you would assume to be out there painting these giant socially conscious murals, are you? That, and she started with graffiti and then moved into, into street art. Um, she's quite different. 
Yeah, she's different in the way that, you know, a lot of street art is tagging and stencils. Um, it's rare to find a street artist that actually uses acrylic paint and a paintbrush. And so I see Lydia as more a, she's a painter. She's a fine artist who her work translates to public art. And I think that's something that, you know, again, is, is not something that's the norm, nor is seeing a middle-aged woman with two daughters who is single, who also is a street artist. I mean, normally it's somebody younger and who doesn't have kids. Um, so it is everything about her story was unique. And one of her daughters has autism. And so just every, you know, again, and that kind of plays into the title, The Art of Rebellion. I just felt like everything about Lydia's life was pushing against kind of stereotypes and what we think of as the norms. I imagine that the documentary, and maybe this happens almost always, went in different directions as you started filming because this is a life you were with them for for some years uh as you say multiple sclerosis wasn't kind of part of the uh the story at the very start and it becomes very much part of the story as the documentary goes on just as much as as her art is um but i mean what did she ever shy away from sharing these really personal moments with you in the camera Lydia is very open, and so that was really, as a filmmaker, that's kind of an ideal situation when you have someone that, well, one, we had, we spent a lot of time together off camera, and so we'd become friends, and obviously, you know, building that trust plays into that, and so Lydia, and Lydia is just, Lydia is who she is on camera and off camera. She's the same person, um, and she's somebody that's pretty transparent, and so that was great in terms of a filmmaker coming into a story that somebody could be so open with sharing. Um, and I think, like you said, going into it, you know, you kind of go into a story thinking it's going to be one thing. And I didn't really know. I just knew that this woman's fascinating. She's funny. She's incredibly talented. She's really a unique artist in this street art space. And I don't know completely where the story is going, but I know it'll unfold into something, but obviously you know, her having MS and this becoming not just MS, because there's many forms of MS, there's relapsing, remitting, and Lydia getting diagnosed with a more progressive, aggressive form of MS. Um, and also, I don't want to, you know, I don't know if this is airing before the, the film showing, so I don't want to um, tell, tell everything. But, you know, there were definitely some surprises that we didn't expect. And, and, and to be honest, we struggled. Like, how does this, oh, gosh, is the film going off the rails with, you know, things happening? But at the end of the day, you, you know, you just have to show life as it unfolds in the most, in the most truthful way. Um, but, but it was, you know, there were moments where, we, where it was hard because we always thought the, one, the story was one thing and it just kept taking turns. I loved her attitude to street art. So very near the start of the documentary, she's out there teaching, taking a class, and talking about or suggesting that muralists should regard a, a mural, for example, as a play, you know, that it really has to contribute to a community and, and be part of the community and tell a story relevant to a community. Yeah, I think Lydia sees a mural almost like a film. I mean, it tells a story. It's not static. It's something that has movement. And for her, she she was 
she's pretty particular about projects. She only does projects that she feels like will have impact. Um, you know, the, the kind of mural that you walk past and you, you, you can't ignore. And I think that was something that, you know, we really connected on because I had the same sort of approach to, to films. Like, um, so I think as, as artists, we had a very similar approach to the types of projects we would choose because I think social impact and making a difference is, is deeply important to both of us. We're also with her as she's preparing for an exhibition. As you say, she's a fine artist. And these works that belong and find a home inside the gallery are really quite beautiful. I mean, a lot of montage work. Always the uh, the Sunday New York Times, I think, is the newspaper of choice uh, when she's using that. But again, a beautiful freedom of style. I think I could have guessed that she was a muralist, just in her approach and her brush strokes. They're beautiful works, particularly, I thought, those of her girls. Yeah, I agree. And again, that's, you know, Lydia's background is a fine artist. She was a fine artist before she was a street artist. I mean, she is the first to say that, you know, for years she would paint and, you know, go to galleries and try to get her work shown and she really got turned down. And that's, that was what started her street art was that she couldn't get into galleries um, because there's a lot of politics and who you know and, so she took her art to a more public space. And then from that is how she actually made her way into galleries. There's a, There are several really difficult moments to watch in the documentary because her pain is really visceral um, and she's sharing it with us. And there's a moment where she says, look, if she can't, this is when the disease is taking hold, if she can't paint and she can't take care of her family. And I get a sense when she says, if I can't paint, it's not just because it's her livelihood, but it's also who she is, you know, expressing herself through paint. What am I? You know, and it's a heartbreaking moment. And I just had this vision of you, Libby, struggling not to throw the camera to one side and give her this big hug because it's just such a, a hard moment for her. Yeah, there were a number of moments in the film like that where um, if, if you see the camera shake, it's because I'm having trouble holding it um, because it was hard. And, you know, but in those moments, I, again, because I knew Lydia and I saw those really hard days and I saw the days that, you know, because she was, she is this incredible mother and she loves her kids so much. I saw the days where, and, you know, it's like one treatment doesn't work and another treatment helps her. I, I saw all the ups and downs. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, th those moments are difficult, but, you know, one thing I really like is kind of earlier in the film, you see, I think even before that scene where Lydia is realizing that the disease is progressive, right? And she says, you know, she talks kind of about the barriers and some of the other struggles in her life with her life with um, her daughter getting diagnosed with autism and everything else. And just like, you know, how am I supposed to have hope? Like now I've got MS and it's progressive. And she just really felt like she'd lost hope. And then you see later in the film, and again, I think this is how you know, half of, I, I can't speak to other countries, but in America, over half the country lives with a chronic illness. And we do a really bad job at treating chronic illness. And so it's hard for people who are living with that and, you know, used to having, you know, being able to do anything to all of a sudden have to be debilitated in any way. 
um, and then to not have treatment. And that was really a situation, right? It's not like, okay, you have a disease. It took for two years to get diagnosed. And then it's like, but you have this. And by the way, you have a progressive form. So we don't, we can give you these drugs, but they're not really designed for progressive. They're really for remitting, relapsing MS or relapsing, remitting MS. So, um, it's sort of, it's, it's Lydia's story, but I think too, what was always watching her is I feel like she encompasses so, she's telling so many people's stories. You know, it's not just her story. It's half of this country that lives with some form of, you know, chronic illness that affects their day-to-day lives tremendously. I mean, it really felt like an indictment of the American health system. It is, it works differently to what we have here, although many people miss out on medication that they need, don't get me wrong. But seeing her with literally an armful, maybe it was two armfuls of unpaid medical bills, not that she didn't want to, but she couldn't, and this kind of resentment about being treated like a guinea pig, I mean, it was just such a a, a powerful moment. And again, unfortunately, a common moment in our in our country. Um, and again, paying for medical bills of, th- of treatments, a lot of treatments that didn't, didn't even work, you know. Um, and that's that's the problem. It's kind of like paying for care that is sometimes not effective. Um, and you have, you know, maybe you have insurance, but your insurance is not doesn't it doesn't cover everything. So insurance in America, it doesn't. You're still going to get medical bills. It's a matter of if you're going to get tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of medical bills. Um, so again, it, it's not very effective and it's a deterrent for people seeking care. Um, again, which is another reason why, you know, in Lydia's case, it's like to take two years to get diagnosed for a disease that we actually know. We don't know everything about it. Although there's been some recent news about MS that was a pretty big deal here. Um, but that just prolong like there's no that any kind of early treatment that might have delayed the disease you miss that window you know and that's sort of um again and those piles of bills were from that period of time of her like just going to doctors going to doctors with not even getting helpful information and that that also just kind of exacerbated the frustration i think one of the most powerful images that stayed with me from the documentary is when she's having to strap paintbrushes to her hands so that she can paint. She's so determined to keep painting and she has to keep painting too. As I say, it's, it's her livelihood. But just that, that sheer determination to have the brushes in her hand and to keep creating her art. I mean, I just thought that was remarkable. Yeah, and I think to your point earlier, it's it's Lydia's identity, you know, as a painter. And so for her to take that away is, you know, she she feels very lost without that, understandably. And so she's determined. And, you know, it is. It's incredibly admirable. Um, so for her, it's like, you know, if I have to paint with, if, if I can't use my, when I can't use my hands, I'll paint, I'll put the paintbrush in my mouth. You know, it's like for her, she'll never stop painting. Such a responsibility, as as you say, you you became very close during the making of this documentary. So when you when you wrapped it up, because it was several years in the making, and Lydia first saw the art of rebellion, how important was her response to it to you as a documentary maker? That that she feel that it was the story she wanted to tell. 
Oh, it's a huge, it's a huge responsibility. Um, but, you know, I, I will say this, like I, we were in very much communication the entire time. And again, I don't want to um, reveal all the, all the scenes in the film, but there were moments where I wasn't sure, like, is this okay that we show it? Because again, you're, one thing is for Lydia, Lydia's in the room and she's living her life and, you know, we're shooting over, you know, several hundred hours of footage. So she's not remembering every detail. So even though I would talk to her about it, I know that over the years she's going to forget. So yeah, there was like when the culmination of the film and we had the first rough cut and I, you know, sat with her and she wanted to watch it with the kids, you know, cause Lydia, this is how Lydia's parenting too. It's like, everything's open. We're open here, you know? And so, which I, again, I think is very, very admirable. And it was, it was everything, you know, like I'm, you know, anything I basically was like, I sat with you down, like anything you're uncomfortable with, anything you don't want me to show, we'll take it out. It's easy. This is the rough cut. That's why we're showing it to you. And it was, it was incredible because, you know, when it was done, Lydia's like, it's great. I love it. Keep everything. You know, when I started kind of going down some of the scenes, I was like, are you sure? Are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? And then, and then she asked her daughters, which I thought was really incredible. She asked Coco and Dorothy, like, are you, are you kids okay with everything? And they were like, yes. So the, the family endorsement was, um, was really crucial. Oh, those girls. Those girls are just amazing. And I think they came across, they had that same, well, they're, they're creative in their own ways also, very creative and smart, and that generosity of spirit. Because they go from, you know, kind of young girls to, to young adults, effectively. They grow up fast. They do. They do. We watch them grow in the film. And, you know, for Dorothy, the eldest daughter, I mean, she really is, you know, I mean, she, she's incredible. She's taking care of Lydia. She's, you know, when we've gone to festivals and stuff, she always comes because Lydia needs to, to lean on Dorothy a bit and Dorothy's there and happily so. They're incredibly close. Um, and the same with Coco, like, you know, her, her youngest daughter, um, we see her sort of evolve and yeah, it's, it's a very tight knit family. And you know, kind of seeing how they all, again, I just, I don't want to reveal, there's some things that I'm so tempted to say, but, you know, seeing Toko come into her own, too, is a really big deal as well. There's a lot of, people will see a lot of um, transformations with her. Libby, when you've got, as you say, several hundred hours of film, I mean, that feels overwhelming <laughs> from where I'm sitting. Um, and how you cut it, you could have, you, you know, you would have very different documentaries, wouldn't you, depending on what you chose and how you cut it. I mean, that's that's a documentary maker's art. Um, but, you know, how, how did you select? I mean, did you just have to kind of find a through line and and stick to that with so much material to choose from? Yeah, I I think it was, it's always hard. That's always the hardest part, right? It's always difficult to decide when do we stop filming because you could just film forever. You know, when you have a good a subject that you um, are enamored by and their story, like it's like, when do we stop filming? You know, that's kind of the first thing. And then it's like, okay, now we've got, you know, 300 hours of footage. What are we doing? Um, and I felt fortunate. I had some, I'm working with amazing editors, uh, Sam Hook being the main one. And so you're working really closely with the editor to kind of, because again, I'm so at the point, you know, I'm so close to Lydia 
and the film, I'm, you know, when we're going through footage, I'm walking away and the editor's still watching and I can't remember what happened in what happened off camera and what happened on. So I'm always like, Sam, isn't there a scene with this? And he's like, no. <laughs> so it's, it's great to have the editor to work with on that. But I think, you know, with Lydia, one thing I knew that was really important is like, okay, we're telling a story at the end of the day. Like we knew this, the MS was going to be a big part of this story. And I think the big challenge was how balancing how much do we show Lydia sick struggling with MS because what can an audience, what's their appetite for that? You know, watching somebody suffering and yet at the same time, if we don't show any of it, then they don't think having MS is a big deal. Right. So I think that balance of the illness piece and understanding the impact it had on our life and showing that with, you know, having some respite from that like again Woody is very funny and I think there's some moments in the film that are really funny and people laugh out loud and having that sort of respite from that which was really probably one of our biggest challenges. Libby your documentaries of course by their nature are years in the making can you tell us what you're working on at the moment? It's a good question it's like there's several projects and I'm trying to figure out what which one will go um I'll say the one that is probably the most meaningful is, is about elders. I feel like, um, especially COVID just kind of exacerbates it, right? I think in America specifically, um, we've kind of lost connection to our elders and our appreciation, and there's a disconnect. Um, and so my next project, it's going to be a global project, but um, we're going to start with some some subjects here, trying to repair some of those some of those breaks between younger and older generations. Libby Spears, her film The Art of Rebellion is part of the Dock Edge Festival. It will play online from the 1st of June and in theatres in Auckland and Wellington. There's a handy link for you on our webpage. And Libby tells me that one of her executive producers on the documentary is Katie Wood from Wellington.